Well, good morning. It's a treat for my wife, Connie, and I, and our kids to be with you this week. This is our uh, sixth time. It's time that it go like we've been coming here for 10 years. So how many of you, uh, how many of you have been here some week in the past with us? Can you raise your hands? All right. It's so wonderful to be back with you, and we feel like when we come here, we're coming back to see old friends. Uh, We're probably somewhat unique in terms of speakers here in that we still live overseas. We're not just missionaries who who are back, but we actually come back for this event. And so just two weeks ago, we were in the Czech Republic. A week and a half from now, we'll be back there. And uh, it's always a little bit of an adjustment for us to adjust back to American culture. I remember the first time we came here, and uh, one of the things you need to know about the Czech Republic where we live is it's a very uh, more of a skeptical conservative culture. Maybe that's because of all the years of communism. And you don't greet strangers in the Czech Republic. You, you only greet people you know. And so if you're walking down the street, and you can be the only two people on the street and be passing someone else, and you'll, if you don't know them, you'll just look down and walk right by them. You won't say hi. And if you do say hi, they look at you saying, like, wait, I don't know you. Um, are you a robber? Or They'll actually look at you a little afraid. So it was from this context that we came our first year and drove in that road and saw all those people jumping up and down and waving at us. And we're kind of, we, we don't know you. Why, why are you saying hello? And then uh, walked into, the, it, it was just a little bit overwhelming for us. We went through culture shock coming to Go Lake. And I remember sitting in that evening session where they introduced all the counselors and everyone's jumping up and down. And, and our kids have to leave us there in high school at that time. And I remember Caleb turning and saying, Dad, do we have to go? And uh, well, he got one over by the end of the week, was into things, and uh, then came back on staff and is now back here. So Gold Lake is a, is a very special, precious place for us, and it's great to be here again. And this week will be wonderful for you and your family because of great meals, lots of fun, wonderful times with your kids. But I also pray that this week will be transformational for you. That's something I pray every time we come to Go Lake. It's not just a great week of vacation. It's not just a wonderful time with the family, but you actually leave changed. That you think about the things you learned at Go Lake all year and that your life is different because of your week here. That's my prayer. Wouldn't that be great? And we finish on Friday, you say, my entire year ahead of me will be different because of what I experienced at Go Lake. Now, the only way that that will be possible is because of the transforming power of God's word, because we know it's God's word that changes us. And so one of our exciting privileges this week is to dig deep into God's word. Uh, last time we were here, if you remember, those of you who were there, we went through the entire book of Exodus. We just flew through it, not hitting everything, but hitting big points on the top. This, this time we're taking exactly the opposite approach. Sometimes it's good to see the sweep of Scripture, and sometimes it's good to slow way down and go as deep as you can. It's kind of a discipline of saying, how much gold can we mine from this spot, because it it reminds us of how much is in God's word. And sometimes it's great to even come back to passages that we think we know, but we actually don't know as well as we think we know. And this week, that's what's ahead of us. We're going to spend the entire week in a psalm that you may know by heart. In fact, maybe one of the most well-known passages of scripture. You can probably guess what it is. We're going to spend the entire week in Psalm 23, in six verses. The entire week in six verses, and you may be already telling me, saying, well, I know this psalm. Let me tell you, you don't know this psalm. 
You, you probably think you know it. You probably have read it many times, but let me tell you, there is gold in Psalm 23 that you have no idea is even there, and we're going to mine all week in six verses, six talks in six verses. So you ready now? This will be fun. We'll slow way down and go deep and say, what in Psalm 23 have we never seen before or never actually applied to our life? So let's start. Psalm 23. Psalm 23, and you might not even have to look at this because you know it so well. Psalm 23, it starts out this way. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, did you know that this room is full of sheep? All the way to the very back, it's full of sheep. There are some strange sheep behind you. There are some loud sheep in front of you. There are some really good-looking and smart sheep beside you. You notice I was careful about that, so look there. See, really good-looking, very smart. That's your husband, your wife, all right? Some amazing sheep beside you. How, much, how many of you have any experience with sheep? Raise your hands if you actually kept sheep. A couple of you but not many of us. I don't have much experience with sheep. My first experience with sheep was when I was 10 years old because we visited my, my grandpa who was a farmer in Oregon. And he normally raised wheat and other things, but he just decided to change and switch to sheep. And when my dad told me about this, they said, grandpa has sheep. I couldn't wait to see what this was like. We were going to spend a week on grandpa's farm with the sheep. And I remember rolling up and, and uh, meeting Grandpa. He always came out with these wonderful Grandpa overalls. He was the archetypical farmer. He just his, had the farmer face. And I said, I said, Grandpa, can we go out and see the sheep? And he said, sure. He grabbed his dog because you always have dogs when you have sheep. And we started walking down the lane. And I remember I was about 10 years old looking up at Grandpa with his overalls and saying, Grandpa, Grandpa, you're a shepherd. And he said, no, I'm not. I said, yeah, you are. You, Grandpa, you've got sheep. And he said, yeah, I have sheep. Well, then you're a shepherd, Grandpa. He says, no, I'm not a shepherd. I'm a sheep farmer. I said, Grandpa, what's the difference between a sheep farmer and a shepherd? He said, you'll see. So we walk down and we come to the gate and open the gate and, and there's this wonderful flock of sheep and they all turn and look at Grandpa and look at me and then they run the other direction. They, <laughs> they run to the other side of the of the pasture. And I said, Grandpa, why do they run? He said, well, they're afraid of us. And I said, well, can you call them? And he said, uh, well, why don't you try? I said, what are their names? He said, I don't know. So I said, well, I'll just make one up. So I said, sheepy, hey, sheepy, sheepy, come sheepy, sheepy. And they all looked at me and they looked at Grandpa and they ran farther away. And I said, Grandpa, why, why are they running away? He said, they're afraid of us. And then he said something that I remember to this day. He says, it is not in a sheep's nature to trust the shepherd. It's not in their nature. It's in their nature to be mistrustful. They trust other sheep, but they don't trust us. And he said, I said, well, Grandpa, why aren't you a shepherd? He said, I don't have time and the energy to be a shepherd. Do you realize what it would take for me to win their trust? I would have to be out here for hours and hours on end. I'd have to just stand among them. I'd have to uh, spend a lot of attention winning their trust, uh, convincing them that I was really for them. And he said, I don't have the time and energy for that. That's why I'm just a sheep farmer and 
not a shepherd. And you notice there, this is something you, you know about it in the United States. There are very, very few true shepherds in the United States because farmers here don't have time to be a shepherd. In Albania, where Caleb is going, I was there not long ago and saw in, a, in the course of a drive to the city where he's going to be serving, and I saw 20 shepherds, and they were all in unfenced areas standing out with their sheep, and they would stand there all day. Can you, can you, I would drive by going, I can't imagine that the sun was beating down, it was dry, and there's this shepherd just standing there with their sheep, but they'd earned the, the trust of their sheep. Well, we don't have any any time to do that. Well, I, was, I said, Grandpa, well, well, don't you care for the sheep? He says, yeah, look at this, this, uh, this pasture right here. And I saw that there was a, a big uh, trailer of water that Grandpa had brought out there. And I said, look, you provide their water. He said, yes. And, and I saw some bales of hay. You, look at you provide their feed. He said, yes. I said, well, why don't they trust you because of that? He said, well, they think that they found that on their own. They don't realize that I was the one that provided that for him. And then he said, look at, the, look at this pasture. And I looked, and there was a fence all around the pasture. He says, I protect them from predators. I said, don't they, don't they appreciate that? He says, no, they think they're protected because they're huddling close together, and they don't realize it's actually the fence that I created that protects them. He said, um, they don't even know how much I'm caring for them because it's not in the nature of a sheep to even recognize all that the shepherd is doing. Well, we walked back to the barn, and I was kind of discouraged because I thought my grandpa was a shepherd, and he wasn't. And uh, the next day, uh, he found a sheep out in the pasture that was sick and had to grab it. The sheep fought him the whole time and brought him up into the barn and then injected him with some, uh, some antibiotics and had to keep him in this, in this uh, area. And I had lots of time on my hand. I said, Grandpa, can I try to become a shepherd to that one sheep? He says, you can try. And so I spent the next three or four days trying to win the trust of the sheep. And uh, I, I held out some grain and waited till he ate a little bit of it. I just sat close to him for hours on end. Uh, he couldn't go away, and, um, and I would talk so that he could get the sound of my voice. I named him Freddy. He wasn't sheepy. I named him Freddy. That sounded good to me, Freddy the sheep. And so I'd call him Freddy, Freddy. The rest of them didn't have names. He, he did. And by the end of that week, um, I, I remember taking a picture that I still have to this day of me laying on the sheep, using the sheep as my pillow with the sheep, totally trusting me and me. I'd become this sheep's shepherd. But we had to get in this small pen for a long time, and he had to really learn to trust me. And that's some of what we want to do this week. We want to kind of put you in a small room with the shepherd, because you don't know it, but it's not in your nature to trust the shepherd. It's not in your nature even to recognize all that he's doing and know why he's doing it. Uh, it's not in your nature to respond to him, and we need to learn it. That's what's ahead of us. By the way, he does know you uh, by name. And this psalm starts this way. That's why today we're talking about sheep meet your shepherd. Uh, and by the way, our, the title of this here is, is Shepology. So it's, it's, a, it's a particular study, and it's not theology, it's shepology, it's the art and science of following the shepherd. So we're not going to talk about learning to be shepherds, we're going to learn about what does it mean to be a sheep that trusts his shepherd and learns how to follow him. 
Now, this is a psalm of David. It's written towards the end of his life when he had many experiences as a shepherd of sheep, a shepherd of people, and with God as his shepherd. And he starts out this, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord. Now, in your Bibles, you, you might look in my Bible, it has the Lord is all caps. Is that true in your Bible as well? That's because it, this word is actually the word Yahweh. It's the word Yahweh. It's not the word Adonai, which we use for Lord. It's the word Yahweh, which we find for the first time in Exodus 3, verse 13 and 15, when Moses is asking God, who shall I tell sent me to release you? And God says, I am who I am, Yahweh, which means I am who I am. This, this title for God is found 6,519 times in the Old Testament. And this was the most holy name for God, Yahweh. Yahweh is your shepherd. It was so holy that the scribes, as they're copying the scripture, if they came to this word, Yahweh, they would have to set down the normal pen that they were using and pick up a pen that was only used for this word and sharpen it, was make sure it was just right, and then write specially this word, Yahweh, because they didn't want any mistakes made with another pen to mar the, the writing of this name. And in fact, often the, the vowels were let off in this name so that someone wouldn't read the name of, of Yahweh in an irreverent way. This is, this is the, the, the great name for God. Now, there are about 15 other names for God that are used in the Old Testament, names like El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty, El Elyon, the Most High God, Adonai, which means Lord or Master, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals, but he chose to use this word, Yahweh is my shepherd. And the word Yahweh basically communicates God saying, I will be all that I am to you. Everything that I am, everything is that is in my character, I offer to you. I am who I am. I will be who I will be to you. The I am is your shepherd, Yahweh. The I am, uh, the I am, the, the all-powerful God is your shepherd. As he shepherds, he will be all-powerful to you. The all-knowing God is your shepherd. The, the faithful God is your shepherd. The God who is, who is love, he, he doesn't just love, he is love. That's, he will be that to you as he shepherds you, Yahweh. The, the wise God is your shepherd. The, the God who is able to see the future is your shepherd. The, the one who is present with you, I am, not I was, not just I will be, I am is your shepherd. And he is your shepherd. Now, David didn't say, uh, this Yahweh will be my shepherd. He said he is. He didn't say Yahweh is a shepherd in general. He said Yahweh is my shepherd, not just could be or should be, but he is. And Yahweh is your shepherd. Yahweh is your shepherd. All that he is, he wants to be for you personally today, this week, in your setting. Yahweh is your shepherd. Now, here's some other possibilities. One is a lot of people live as if they have no shepherd, 
people that just say, I, I know I'm just going to have to fight it on my own. I am alone. Some people can be in a crowd and feel alone. They just have this permanent sense that they're on their own. They're, they're alone. And sometimes you feel that as you're facing a hard week at work, as you're facing problems with your kids, as you're facing family tensions, you can feel like, I really have no shepherd. I, I, wish, I, had, I wish I had someone who was helping me with this. Uh, some expert who was walking me, walking with me through this. And some people feel that way. I have to find my own way. I think even more feel this. You are your own shepherd. And it was interesting as I was studying this psalm. Actually, I spent five months in Psalm 23 last year preparing. I did a series on this, with, uh, on this psalm with, with my staff. Five months. And I dig into a verse and learn some principles and then found myself doing this. I found myself applying the principles as if I was my own shepherd. You know, sometimes we treat the Word of God as the place that we find our self-help instructions. So I need to do this. I need to do this. So I need to be, I need to be peaceful. I need to be joy-filled. I need to be... And then we, we feel like that we, we have to shepherd ourselves. But what is it like to actually go, God is actively doing that with you right now? You're not your own shepherd. He doesn't just give you a manual of what it would be like if you had a shepherd, and then you need to shepherd yourself. You actually have a shepherd. You actually have one, and you're not it. So part of what Scripture is trying to teach us is to recognize and respond to what the shepherd is doing, not do his shepherding work for him. Yahweh's real. He really exists. I grew up in a Christian home on the mission field. I learned verses from when I was a small child. But maybe because of that, sometimes it was like I was studying principles rather than encountering a real God who really exists. Uh, he, he, he really exists. He, he, he's active. He's working. I remember one time that uh, I was walking through the city of, of Chicago with some friends, and it was kind of a stormy day, and uh, wind was blowing, and I walked up past a, a window that was one of those reflective windows, you know, where you see yourself, and I walked by, and I went, oh, I look terrible, and I stopped and kind of started doing this, you know, fixing my hair and straightening out my shirt, and then all of a sudden, I saw that right on the other side of the window was a group of people sitting in a, at a table, and they're looking out at me, you know. And I'm going like this, you know, popping some zits, I don't know, some things like that. And uh, what, what I think is a mirror is actually a window, and there are real, really people on the other side of it. And all of a sudden, oh, there's someone there. Oh, wow. And s sometimes the Word of God is the same way. We look into it, and we're looking, and we're checking, and we're saying, okay, got this, and, and we don't look through it and go, oh, there's someone there. Like there's someone there. I'm not just talking about myself or about principles about myself, but, and that someone there is alive and living and looking at me and talking to me and thinking about me and shepherding me. So the Lord is, is your shepherd. You're not your own shepherd. And so part of what we'll be doing this week is saying, is God working in ways that you maybe are not sensing or not seeing? You're, you're seeing the window as a mirror and you're not looking through the window and seeing the, the real shepherd that's actually working with you. You're not your own shepherd. And then some people think this, a fellow fallible human being is my shepherd. I talk to so many who say, oh, I just wish I had someone who is caring for me. I wish my pastor knew more about me, knew my name. 
I wish, I wish someone would disciple me. I need to disciple others, and I, I just never had anyone discipling me. Well, even if no one else cared about you, Yahweh is your shepherd. You, you have a shepherd. The I am, the all-powerful, is actually saying, I take personal responsibility for you. So all other care that you receive through your church, through family, through your friends, should be on top of the care that you are directly receiving from the shepherd who says he wants to be your shepherd, who is your shepherd. Someone once said, there are two great truths of human enlightenment, enlightenment, and here they are. There is a God, and uh, you are not him. There is a God, and it's not you. There's someone who actually is caring about you and caring for you. Yahweh is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Have you ever stopped and actually thought about what David is saying? I shall not want. I shall not want. I am quite sure that there's something that you want right now. If we were just to be honest, there, if you were to say, I need this week, there would probably be something on the end of that. I was thinking coming into this, what, what do I need right now? I have some specific things that are on my mind that I think, oh, I, I need this so bad. Some of you are saying, I need a break. Some of you are saying, I need some encouragement. Some may be connection. I'm here with my family, but we're not as connected as we would like to be. A friendship. You feel alone and misunderstood. Some of you, there are some questions that are going around in circles in your mind. In fact, you woke up this morning and they were in your mind. Some questions about your work or about your future or about a problem. And they're just going in circles. In fact, sometimes someone might look at you and see you distracted. And that's because you're trying to solve that problem. And you would love to know the answer to that question. Uh, some of you just say, I need to sleep. I'm hoping I get some sleep this week. Uh, some of you, you say, I need a, a car that runs, you know, or a house that doesn't leak. Or, or a bank account that actually has something in it. Or I, I need uh, to solve this health problem that's just chronic and causing uh, this me pain all the time. I need some obedient kids. Uh, some of you, there are family issues that are on your mind all the time. Kids that are struggling, parents that are in ill health. And you go, I need, I need. Is there something like that on your mind right now? In fact, it would, it would be helpful if you would just stop and think, where are my wants right now? Where are my needs? Sometimes we, we push them down and we're not aware of them. You, where, where are yours? Can you think of it? Just stop for a second. If I were to say, I want, I need. Now here, let me tell you something very interesting. Your shepherd is working right now to meet those needs. Have you thought about that? Your shepherd is not only aware of those needs, but he's working right now to meet those needs. He's working right now to meet those needs. And do you know that not wanting, being satisf 
satisfied because of the work of God as he intervenes with our life is actually a significant and often missed theme of Scripture. Look at, look at some of these verses. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. That's, that's pretty amazing. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, maybe today they'd say with low calorie and, um, you know, organically grown food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things uh, will be added to you. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. So your shepherd is working right now to meet your needs. Uh, if, and, and if you're in a, an ongoing state of wanting, like more of a chronic state of wanting, now obviously you get hungry and then you eat a meal or you, have a, you need to sleep and you sleep, but if you're in a state of wanting, you're in some way not responding to the leading and initiative of the shepherd. So maybe you're missing what he's doing because he's working right now to meet your needs. David says, I shall not want. In fact, one of the key insights I have from this passage is I should let my wants be a window to the work of the shepherd. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, if I'm in tune with the things where I'm lacking, it should cause me to be curious about how God is working right now to meet those needs maybe in ways that I don't understand. Let my wants be a window to the work of the shepherd. And we need to be saying, in a curious way, I wonder how the shepherd is working right now to meet my needs. Because often we miss it. I remember when our kids were young, we were, uh, we were in ministry and we had, uh, we had one child. It was in those, you know how when you start out, is a family, and particularly if you start in ministry, you just don't have very much. We had a child, but we didn't have much money. We didn't have many possessions, and we were just living on a shoestring. At that time, Connie and I were living in Germany, and uh, we were coming up on a big event that we led. We did ministry to young people on, on military bases, and we had a big outreach in the spring, and we were coming up. I was busy preparing, and Connie came to me about halfway through the month, and she said, Dave, have you looked at the bank account? And I said, uh, no. And what should I? And she said, well, you probably should because there's nothing in it. And I said, really? I, I'd been busy kind of planning this event and I hadn't realized that. She said, really, there's, there's like nothing and we're halfway through the month. And I said, well, we'll be fine. We'll make it somehow. And she said, you remember, you know, wives are good at reminding us of our, of our needs here, especially husbands, then their need to lead. And she says, you remember that the, the last week of this month we're going on this retreat? Well, yeah. I'm in charge of it. There's 500 young people there. I'm, I'm working hard to do that. She said, uh, Dave, I don't have enough money to buy diapers for Tyler for this retreat. You know, that's one of those unexpected expenses when you have kids. You don't realize how much money diapers. Diapers! They're expensive. And uh, so I said, really? She said, no, I, I really, I have to stock up for the whole week. We have to take them with us on there. And I don't have enough money for this. Okay, Wow. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm feeling, I'm, I'm the husband I'm supposed to provide. She says, so how are you going to answer this problem? And, you know, that's, I don't know how I'm going to answer. I don't know. Can we just use Kleenex or, no, that's not going to work. <sighs> Napkins? Uh, no. 
So I'm wrestling through this and I, I'm, I'm thinking, this is a, God, this is a poor time to run out of money. You know that I have lots of responsibilities right now. And if you would just time this better, we would run out of money at a time where I had time to do something about it. You know, it's how, and I was starting to get irritated at my shepherd. Like, you're not thinking of me very well right now. And then that day, because I didn't have the answer to this problem, I was, I'm thinking about this, and I get a phone call, and, and, um, and someone's on the other end, and they say, hey, uh, we got your number from some friends of yours. They told us who they were and said, uh, we're, we're tourists traveling through Germany, and we're wondering if we could drop by and see you. Okay. Shepherd, this is not good timing. Like, why are you doing this? You know, I'm busy. I, haven't, I have no money right now. And, and, but they were friends of really good friends, and so I couldn't say no. You know how that goes. And so we said, okay, yeah, why don't you come over and spend the evening with us? And I'm, I'm just irritated. I'm just thinking, God, you're not, taking, you're, you're not watching out for us very well. Like, don't you understand what's going on? Well, they came that evening, and... Um, and unusually, it was a very refreshing time. They were delightful people. We had a wonderful evening together. And then at the very end of the evening, uh, they said, uh, we, we just have something from you, for you. And the wife pulled out an envelope for, out of her purse. And she said, on this trip, before we went on this trip, I put three $100 bills in this envelope. And I told the Lord, at the point you want me to give this to someone, tell me. And he says, while we were having dinner, he told me that you're the ones. And they handed us an envelope with three $100 bills the day before we were supposed to go on this. On this uh, and, and Connie went out and bought some diapers, which is just awesome. But even more than that, I went, you know, isn't, isn't this amazing? Like the, the shepherd right now is working to meet my needs, and I am fighting the very thing he's doing to meet my needs. Do you ever find that? And I'm, and I'm irritated him for not meeting my needs at the very time that he's working to meet them. I'm running as he comes into the pasture and thinking that I found the water trailer when really he put it there. And that's what we're, it's not in our nature to trust the shepherd. We miss what he's doing. I've experienced this many times, uh, but one time actually relates to Gull Lake because uh, the summer after our first summer here, our kids then decided, hey, their lives started working. It was, uh, it was six years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, he had just moved back from Czech Republic, his first time in the United States, and was working here during the summer. But uh, Caleb at that time was struggling with some health issues, with uh, chronic pain in his stomach, and we couldn't figure out what the reason for that was. And as he was here at Gull Lake, it had nothing to do with the Gull Lake food, because the Gull Lake food is great. But he just started going downhill. And we were talking to him every couple of days from the Czech Republic, and he was saying, it's worse, mom and dad, it's worse. It's worse, and he was in so much pain that he, he really couldn't do very much here. And I remember being across the ocean going, God, the, the timing of this is so poor. Uh, he's headed off to college. This, this is not a good time. We're across an ocean. We're not in a place to help him. And do you ever have those times where it just seems like, God, you're, you're not watching out for us? And so we started praying that God would intervene and heal him, and it just got worse. Day after day, worse and worse and worse. And from a sheep standpoint, you're thinking, shepherd, you don't know what you're doing. You're not watching me. You're not, you're not helping out. And finally, one day I, I told Connie, I said, I, I don't know anything else to do, but I think I've just got to get on a plane and fly to 
Michigan and try to figure this thing out with my, with my son. And I said, but I'm, it was a very busy time for me in ministry. I was supposed to, I had a writing project I was supposed to do. And, but I just got on a plane and flew. And we didn't even know where to go, what hospital to go to, but just by chance, you know, things happen by chance. The, uh, another family was uh, headed to a place called Cleveland Clinic and they were willing to take Caleb down there. And, and so I met Caleb at Cleveland Clinic and uh, we went into appointment there. And they said, as we're in this appointment, they said, uh, it's great that you showed up at Cleveland Clinic. And we said, why? And they said, well, be, you, you know about our, our chronic pain, stomach pain clinic here, don't you? We said, no, we didn't know that. And they said, yeah, it's one of only two in the entire country. They had a whole clinic that was focused on chronic stomach pain at Cleveland, which we wouldn't have found if someone else wasn't driving down there for another reason. And, you know, the shepherd, like, what's the shepherd doing? So I'm frustrated with these interruptions and the fact that the situation is getting work and the shepherd is working at the same time to meet my needs. Well, we had our first appointment and then they said, we can only get you in for your next appointment a week from now. And I told them, I have flown across an ocean to be here. We're just going to be sitting around. Can't you get it sooner? And they said, no. And so Caleb and I looked at each other. We didn't have any place to stay. And, and so uh, I called up my friend Tom Klobuchar, which Tom, you're, where are you, Tom? He's in the room right here. There's Tom, which you're going to get a book from him. And said, don't you, don't you have like a cabin somewhere near here? And he did right on the lake. And so Caleb and I hold up in a cabin right on the lake. And I remember waking up the first morning going, you know, I, I wonder if I can do my writing project here. And so I sat in Tom's cabin and uh, Uncle Tom's cabin. <laughs> and uh, for three days, because I had no interruptions, because I was far from all my work, uh, wrote a, an evangelistic Bible study that since then has been used to lead hundreds of people to Christ. I would guess that the Bible study, Tom, that I wrote in your living room, probably 200 people have trusted Christ through that Bible study. And I had concentrated time because the appointment couldn't be for five days. You, you, you know, some of these things. And in when, as a sheep in the middle of it, this is what I feel. This is out of control. It's over my head. It's getting worse. No one's watching out for me. That's what I feel as a sheep. And I look back and I go, oh, you were such a good shepherd. At the times that I'm fighting you and saying, what are you doing? You're working to meet my needs. And actually, it was because of that experience that we ran into a doctor called Dr. Cheng, who was able to solve uh, Caleb's pain uh, problems, which is a longer story. Maybe you can, you can get him. You look, you look back and I go, oh, the timing, the open doors. The, but when you're in the middle of it, you sometimes feel like you're all alone. And sometimes you're even running from the shepherd who is coming to meet your needs because you don't understand what he's doing. We, we, don't, we don't understand what the shepherd's doing. We don't even understand our own needs. Sometimes we think, I need this. And the shepherd says, no, you really need this. And we say, no, I need this. And he says, if I gave you that, you would be unsatisfied. You would be wanting. If you receive what I'm preparing for you, you will be not wanting. I want to take you to a place of not wanting under my care where you feel like, where you understand that your, your needs are met. I remember I had a professor at Bible college. His name was Dr. Needham. And uh, he was an Old Testament professor. But more than that, he was a man of God. 
And when you hear the Bible taught by a man of God, you hear the content and you feel the godly nature of that person. I remember being in his class and sometimes he'd be teaching the book of Isaiah and his head would start to go back and he'd be talking about the greatness of God and it was like, okay, David's just left us. You know, he's, he's in the presence of God. He doesn't even know he has students and his face would just light up with joy at the greatness of God. Well, I started meeting with him every week. I said, would you mentor me? And uh, often he would have a speaking engagement or something on the weekend. And I would say, David, how did it go? And his response was always the same. He would say, oh, Dave, he say, it was such a blessed time. It was such a blessed time. God is so good. And I remember thinking, you must be making that up. Like, it can't always be a blessed time. Uh, I found out a little bit later on, I was talking to him about it, uh, something else. I found out for 10 years, he had a chronic health difficulty, and he thought he actually was going crazy. And um, it took them 10 years to find out the, the answer to this problem. And I said, how was it? He said, it was, it was he talked about the up all night, many nights, um, just the, the, the searching and, and the difficulty that it was. And I said, I said, um, David, can you just tell me more about like what you experienced? And he says, it's really hard for me to talk about. And I said, yeah, tough things are difficult, isn't it? And he says, no, it's hard to talk about because it was so precious. It was so precious. And he said, what I experienced in learning to know my Savior, walking with him day by day and learning to depend on him was so precious, it was difficult to talk about. What I realized was that David was getting his needs met maybe in different ways than he expected. Maybe he thought the shepherd should solve his health difficulty and the shepherd was actually teaching him to trust him and meeting his needs in different ways. Do we, do, do we, do we trust the shepherd? Do we ask him what he's doing? Do we believe that he, his work is designed to meet our needs to where we can say that was a blessed weekend? like David often said. And I'm not talking about stuffing. I'm not talking about ignoring. I'm not talking about pretending. I'm talking about learning to understand what the shepherd is doing and believing that he's really working uh, to meet your needs. Well, how does, he, how does he do that? And at this point, we, we're actually going to take a, a quick detour out of Psalm 23 because in John 10, so turn in your Bibles to John 10, he tells you more how he do, does this. John, uh, Psalm 23 is from the perspective of the sheep. John 10 is from the shepherd. And here's some of the ways that he will be working to bring you to a place of not wanting. How does he shepherd First of all, he shepherds through Jesus, John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I am. Jesus said that. And when he said that, he was saying this to people who knew the Old Testament. He said, I am Yahweh, the I am, the good shepherd. He's laying claim to the Yahweh work of Psalm 23. And Yahweh gets some of his shepherding work done through his son, Jesus, who says he'll be a shepherd to us. Jesus, which is actually amazing because, well, we'll find out in a minute some of how he does. John 10.3 says, to the gatekeeper, he opens the sheep, hear his voice, and he calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. So you're not just sheepy, sheepy. 
you're not just Christian. Uh, you, you, um, you, you have a name, you have your name, and the shepherd knows your name. And when he calls you, he calls you by name. Do you realize that? He, he calls you by name. He knows, and it says here that you can hear his voice. You can hear his voice. Do you realize that? He, he says, he promises that you can hear his voice. Through his scripture, through his spirit, you can hear his voice. I was just, just three weeks ago, was meeting with a, a lady in our church who, her son trusted Christ through one of our camps, and she'd been coming the last three weeks to our, three or four, well, three or four months to our church. And so I, I told her, I said, can I take you out to coffee and tell you about Jesus. And so I shared the gospel with her just three weeks ago. Uh, she comes from a totally non-Christian background. This was very new to her. And we got down. I said, would you like to put your trust in, in Jesus? And she said, wow, this is, this is too much for me. I don't know. I've got to think about this. And I said, well, what, how can I help you? And she said, well, I said, I can pray for you. And she said, oh, yeah, I'd love that. So I prayed for her. And then I said, um, I said, Yarka, can I pray something just really interesting? If God is calling you, then you're then he'll be speaking to you. Can I just pray that you hear God's voice calling you? And uh, so I just prayed that. I said, God, would you just speak to Yarka right now? Help, help her to hear your voice. We got done and, and, uh, and she raised her head. I said, I said did, did he tell you anything? And, and he said, she said, this is really amazing. She said, I just, God told me I can hear his voice, which is something really Amazing that a non-Christian got his talent. So I think she's going to be a Christian. She's going to be soon. But, but this is true of you, that you actually can, he is speaking to you. He knows your name. You can hear his voice, letting you hear his voice by going before you. John 10, 4, he says, when he's brought all his sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. My sheep farmer, grandpa, never walked ahead of the sheep. He always walked behind them with a couple of dogs that herded them in the right direction. But when I was in Albania, I noticed whenever the flock moved, the shepherd went out in front and walked ahead and the whole flock walked behind them. And he, whatever they encountered, he had encountered first. So God is, your shepherd is not just driving you in a direction. He actually is encountering whatever you're encountering before you and opening a way. So when you find out that there's an issue with your kids. He found that out before you. When you discover that your bank account is low, he knew it before you did. When you run into deep weariness, he had walked into that before you have. He, it's, 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 not, it's not a surprise to him. Uh, sometimes when we pray, it's almost like we're trying to convince God that our problem is serious and that he really should get involved. You ever feel like that? Like, God, I'm going to pray, but God, really, this is, please help us. No, Lord, this, this, is a, this really is a difficult circumstance. And we don't believe that actually he knew it was difficult before we knew it was difficult. He knew it was serious before we knew it was serious. That's why Jesus said, don't be like the heathens who think they're going to be heard because of their many words. God, really, God, really, really help me. Really, this is a big issue. He says, because your heavenly father knows your needs before you ask him. He encountered that difficulty before you did. So that conversation is more about what are you doing? How can I, how can I be in tune with it? Uh, what, do you, what do you want me to do? Uh, how are you 
working to resolve this by giving you abundant life. John 10.10, a thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. By laying down his life, by making ultimate sacrifice to give you life. John 10.11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. By knowing you, John 10.14, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And then this one, by gathering you into a flock with other sheep, John ten sixteen. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there'll be one flock, one shepherd. Uh, people who study sheep say that sheep are very social animals, in fact, in a grazing situation, in order for them to be relaxed, they need to see other sheep. In fact, ensuring that sheep always have visual contact with other sheep will prevent excess stress when moving or handling them. This is some, some tips for handling sheep. According to animal behaviorists, a group of five sheep is usually necessary for sheep to display their normal flocking behavior. A sheep will become highly agitated if it is separated from the rest of the flock. And your shepherd knows that not only do you need a shepherd, but you need other sheep. And he actually will gather you together with other sheep and, and meet some of those, those needs. Psalm 23, the Lord Yahweh, the I am, is your shepherd. Is your shepherd. You shall not want if you're responding to his work. Let your wants be a window into the work of the shepherd. And to kind of get us ready for this week, I'd like you to turn to the person next to you and just reflect on this. Right now, I need. And if someone asks you, where are you wanting? And you answer them honestly, what would you tell them? So just, just the person next to you, maybe your spouse, maybe someone that you don't know, uh, answer this question honestly, both of these, either of these two questions. And you can do that now, even though it's Sunday morning. You can do that right now. As the week goes on, I, I want you to be really honest with those wants, really honest with those needs, because I really believe that they will be a window into the work of the shepherd, that the shepherd right now is working in ways to meet those needs, maybe in ways that you don't understand. So let's stay sensitive to his work, and let me just pray for all of us as we head into this week. Uh, Father, your word is so rich, and as we dig deep into this text, Help us to see the, the gems that you've left for us there. And help us to look through that window and see a living God on the other side. See our shepherd, that you are my shepherd, and that you are working in ways I, I don't even know to meet my needs. And Father, I, I just confess the times that I run from you when you're actually coming to minister to me, that I find water and food, and I think I found it on my own when really you prepared it for me. And I pray that you'll help each of us to come to trust you in much deeper ways as you put us in this small room with you this week and as we learn about the Good Shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen.